Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see you here today. It is uh, the week of July the 4th, and that means that most of the town has gone somewhere. Uh, but I'm glad that you are here today, and we welcome you, and uh, hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way as we uh, worship the Lord together this morning. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Go ahead and take your phones and check in on uh, Facebook if you have Facebook on your phones this morning and uh, tell everybody where you are. And uh, and let me uh, bring you up to date on a few announcements that we have um, uh, of some upcoming activities and some inactivity as well. Uh, the inactivity is that we are not going to be having any Wednesday activities during the month of July. So we're taking the month of July off for Wednesdays. So uh, it's, it's kind of a summer slump time and a summer vacation time. And a lot of people will be out of town during this month. And so we will not be uh, having anything going on during the month of July. Uh, let me also say that our youth uh, would like to thank our congregation because of the great turnout and uh, response last week with our, our uh, youth-sponsored lunch and uh, <coughs> excuse me and uh, dessert auction. Uh, our youth raised over a thousand dollars for the youth ministry, and that's a wonderful thing. <laughs> So thank you so much for your support. Uh, a few things are coming up on um, August the 6th through the 11th. I know that's a little bit far away, but go ahead and put that on your calendar. We're going to be painting the lower part of, of the, 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 the room here. It's, it really needs it. It's dirty and kind of scratched up here and there. We need to put a coat of paint on it. So we'll be doing that on August, the week of August 6th through the 11th. Put that on your calendar, and if you can uh, volunteer in any way during that time, we would appreciate that. And, and uh, give us a little time. I've already put it on my calendar. I'm going out a week, out of town that week. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been on my calendar for a while. <laughs> but I know some others of you that have done that as well. So you have to stay here and take my place that week. Now, one other thing, um, we we have been approached uh, by the Boys and Girls Club. There's a group here in town that uh, is interested in starting a Boys and Girls Club um, here in Henderson, and um, and this will be this is a, will be a satellite of the Owensboro Club for a while. And they have approached us and asked us if we might would provide space for them and share some space with them for two to three years probably. And this would begin in uh, August of 2019, so we're about a year away from that. Uh, but they, they asked us if we could share some space with them and, and, uh, um, and, and, and let them come and use our space for their boys and, club, and, and girls clubs for probably two to three years while they're raising money and building a building for themselves. And I know that this generates a lot of questions, a lot of concerns, and a, lot of, a lot of things. So we're going to have, on July the 15th, we're going to do what Baptists do best. We're going to have a potluck lunch after the worship service. And after lunch, we'll have just a kind of a, a presentation about the Boys and Girls Club. The people that are uh, behind that uh, will be here to uh, talk about the clubs and, and the uh, importance of that in, into, in a community. And uh, also to address any 
questions that anyone has. So please put that on your calendar. Uh, bring your potluck on July the 15th and bring your questions as well and we'll share that time together. It is always good to share uh, this time of fellowship and worship together with you. So let us stand now and let us greet each other and share the love of Christ with one another. God of all creation, God of the wind, God of the storm, God of the jarring silence, we are your people. We seek to praise you in our hearts and our voices and word and in deed and even in the silence. This world is a heavy place and it presents a lot of hard truths that we hesitate to acknowledge. And our lives are busy and yet we are ever so finite. Our lives leave us hard at work and yet unfulfilled. And we seek to find satisfaction in those places where satisfaction cannot be found. Finishing up our to-do list is a momentary victory, but... You call us to so much more. And so, God, we pray that you would walk with us. Walk with us in those things that we have to accomplish and those things that we have to set aside. And help us to see what really matters and what really lasts in the midst of so much noise. 
We pray today especially that you would walk with Lou Williams' family as she journeys her last days. Surround them with your peace and your comfort. We seek your face this day, O God. We seek your presence, your support, your guidance. O Holy One, we listen for your voice, and too often we expect you to speak to us in big ways. We expect to find you in the hurricanes and in the earthquakes and the boisterous, loud voices in our world. And yet, as we see so eloquently demonstrated in your scriptures, you are not found in any of those places. Instead, you were found in the silence. So help us, gracious God, to find you in the uncomfortable silence and in all of the places that you present yourself. May we consistently challenge ourselves to find you wherever you present yourself. And not always in the places we expect. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord of the storm and of the silence. Amen.
song that I so love because it really talks about the power, the power of God and everything that he can do. And just like the pastor said, sometimes he speaks to us in wonderful times of thunder and and whenever things are looking really bad and it's loud, we can hear him speak. But there's also the wonderful times when he speaks to us in the silence. So we're going to sing about those quiet times that we can have with the Lord. Sweet hour of prayer. Let's stand together as we sing. here in my words and it just reminded me in that verse it says make all my wants and wishes known and I said make all his wants and wishes known we can't forget that prayer is just not us going to him and begging for things it's his hard time to talk to us so you need your time to just sit and listen to the voice of God too we can't forget that second verse Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall my magician bear to him who's truth and faithfulness engage the whole of Jesus. 
with me, please. Good morning, Lord. Thank you for another beautiful summer day. Thank you for all who come to your church to worship and pray together. Thank you for all the blessings in our lives, whether they be large or small. We pray for those who are ill in the hospital or at home. We ask that they feel a sense of your presence and comfort in their lives. We pray that you will continue to guide us to share our resources, our talents, and time with those in need and continue to stir our desire to do your work in this world. We ask your blessings on these tithes and offering this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Scripture will be coming from Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the lake. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much, endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. 
Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she had healed of her she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. They put him them all aside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha, come, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you so much. Wasn't that beautiful? I, I hope you feel like you've been to a garden of prayer. Uh, I, I kind of felt that way. The music, the, the voice, the graphics, the words, it just kind of took me away from here for a, for a moment. And I hope we can all experience that in our lives. There was an amusing story that appeared in USA Today a while back. It seems that a Miss Candy Postlethwaite received a sizable check from the Veterans Administration. But that's not the strange part. The strange part is that the check was not made out to her, nor did she know the person to whom the check was made. Nor had she ever been in the military, so she knew this check wasn't meant for her. And so she put the check in an envelope and sent it back to the VA. Five days later, she got the check back again in a different envelope. So she telephoned the VA office in her district and was directed to send the check there, which she did. And one week after that, she received the check back again in the same envelope. So she mailed it to the Treasury Department in Kansas City, where the check was originally issued, along with a certified letter advising them that it did not belong to her and that she did not know the person to whom it had been issued. But the check was returned to her again in a different envelope. Her next stop was to her local postmaster. After explaining the situation, he advised her to give him the check and to, re- to return it to the Veterans Administration. And with much relief, she gave the check to him and returned home. Two weeks later, she received the check again. And then she was, she was then instructed to mail it to the office in Waco, and it was returned yet another time. And so after the seventh delivery, she called the Dallas Veterans Administration office and told, and she was told that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what else she should do about it. And so in desperation, she called the Secret Service office, told one of the, one of the agents there that she intended to destroy the check. And she was informed that the check was government property and it was against the law to destroy the check. And so she's told the, the, the agent, well, I'll just cash it then. And she said, he said she couldn't do that either because it wasn't hers. The paper went on to say that she was still awaiting further instructions. Have you ever had an experience like that? Something that's just totally frustrating it's totally just frustrating. You just can't get done what you feel like you need to get done. And you, you try and you try and you try to do something and, and you get caught up in the bureaucratic rat race and you feel frustrated <coughs> at how slowly things work. Maybe you've, maybe you've called an office to straighten out some, some snafu that, that you're experienced or you're trying to deal with some business at this office and, and you get passed along from person to person. Hold, let me connect you with. And finally, it looks like you're just about to get someone who can actually help you with your problem and...
that's that's not. <laughs> you get the picture. You get the picture there. You've been there before, haven't you? You've been put on a hold that will not end. And it's frustrating. Especially when the matter that you are calling about is urgent. And, and, and I know all that jazzy music in the background is supposed to make things more pleasant. It doesn't. Especially when it's a serious situation. In fact, it makes things even more irritating. Those same six bars of music over and over and over and over. It's as if they are mocking your inability to get somebody to help you. Life is no fun when you're put on hold. Now... Picture this frantic father whose daughter is dying. He has no phone, but he has heard that there is a specialist nearby who may be able to to save his daughter's life. He puts on his coat and searches the community for this esteemed physician. And when he finds the physician, he hurries up to him. And even though this man is a man of of some prominence in the community, this worried father lays aside his pride and literally gets down on his knees and begs this physician to come and see his daughter. The father's name is Jairus. The esteemed physician's name, of course, is Jesus. Would Jesus come and lay hands on his little girl? Of course he would. Mark tells us simply that Jesus went with him. Things moving along, fine. Jairus finally gets the help that he feels like he needs. Jesus is coming to lay hands on his daughter, to heal her, to save her from imminent death. But wait, there's a break in the story. For you see, while Jesus was making his way through the crowd, this woman with an issue of blood reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' robe. And so, so Jesus stopped right where he was and engaged this woman in a conversation. And he ministered to this woman in, in a beautiful way. And it was a beautiful and, and touching scene. It was a, a, a wonderful thing as he healed yet another person. But can you imagine how Jairus is feeling about now? Can you imagine how Jairus was feeling as he watched this unfold? His young daughter was back at home dying... And this irksome woman was tying up Jesus' time with her complaint. Can you imagine the stress and the frustration that Jairus is going through at this particular moment in his life? He was put on hold while Jesus dealt with somebody else. Same thing happened with Mary Martha. They sent for Jesus when their brother Lazarus got sick, but it was days before Jesus responded. And they said with a hint of accusation, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. 
Well, all of this raises an interesting question, and that is, why does God seem to dawdle sometimes? Why isn't God quicker to respond to our request? Doesn't God know that, that what we face is, is urgent? Is there, is there anyone here who has not asked that question from some, at some time or another from God? Or about God? Indeed, this question goes right to the heart of prayer itself. Why do our prayers sometimes seem to go no higher than the ceiling? heard about a third grade teacher who had been working long and hard to help a certain student improve his behavior and his attitude. And, and after a, a reading session that was continuously disrupted by this student, the teacher in her frustration said to the boy, John, I'm just going to turn you over to God. Well, another boy who happened to be walking by said, Miss Jones, God's just going to give him back. <laughs> Why does that sometimes seem to be the way it is with our prayers? We pray them and God seems to just give them back. Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn prayed for a fishing pole and hooks one time. And when he only got the fishing pole, he gave up up on prayer. Most, Most of us are not that rash because we know that God loves us. We know that God is aware of our concerns and we have confidence that God is moved by our prayers. It's just that sometimes God seems to move so very, very slowly. And it's difficult for us to deal with those delays. We feel so helpless. There was a study of air traffic controllers several years ago that confirmed the high stress that these controllers are under. But they determined that the job is stressful, not simply because these controllers have to make decisions that affect the lives of other human beings. Rather, they are stressed so much because even though they are called controllers, they often feel that they are anything but in control because of fluctuating weather weather patterns or pilot error or equipment failure or all kinds of contingencies. Does that sound familiar to you? You may be the one responsible for, for something, but you can't control all of the moving pieces. And so in those situations when we have the responsibility but we don't have the control, we've learned to depend on prayer. But anyone who has any kind of a prayer life knows that there are times when our prayers are met with a profound silence on the other end. North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, houses, houses the center of an international cult called the Lovers of Meher Baba. Meher Baba means loving father in Hindustani. Baba is a, was a real person. He was born Merwan Arana, Arana in 1894 in India. 
He proclaimed himself to be the new incarnation of Jesus Christ. And he recruited a lot of wealthy followers, and he did a lot of good things. They established uh, uh, orphanages and hospitals and schools and homeless shelters. But he is most noted for his silence. You see, from 1925 until he died in 1969, he spoke not one word. He wrote volumes. He gave lectures with the help of of blackboards and alphabet boards. and, And he promised that he would eventually speak the one word that would bring world peace and spiritualize the entire world. And he set dates to break his silence and to proclaim that word. And he postponed each date. But Baba died in an automobile accident before he ever had a chance to break his silence. He never spoke that one word that would solve all the world's problems. And sometimes it feels like God is like that. We know that God knows about our troubles. We know that God cares. It just seems that God dawdles sometimes. And and sometimes it feels like we've been put on hold. Picture this frantic father waiting for Jesus to minister and to deal with this woman with the issue of blood while his daughter is dying at home. And then his worst fears come true. He sees his friends coming from his house. And he could tell what they were going to say even before they said a word. It is the news that no parent wants to hear. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the master any longer? Poor Jairus feels a sudden ache within him. His, his friends tried to give him their support, but not even your best friend can make much of a difference at a time like this. Something much more is needed. Unfortunately, Jesus was still there. He had, he had not forsaken Jairus just as he does not forsake us. He probably put his hand on his shoulder and said, Don't be afraid. Just believe. That's asking a lot, isn't it? There's a beautiful passage of Scripture from Habakkuk which says... Though the fig tree does not blossom and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And of course, that's the main point of our message today. You see, when God seems to be silent, we need to hold even more tightly onto God's promises. We know that God will not forsake us, even if if God does not work on our time schedule. We know that God will be there for us, because God has been there for us so many times before. In a small cemetery just outside of Phoenix, Arizona, there's a, a modest grave marker that says Punkin in living memory, in loving memory of Jennifer Marie Strader. 
August 11th, 1975 to December 13th, 1984. She was nine years old. Young Jennifer's life was snatched from her on a tragic drive home from school one day when a young man ran a red light and crashed into her. And what makes this tragedy pertinent to our message for today is that is how Jennifer's parents dealt with the worst phone call a parent could ever receive. Roger Strader, Jennifer's father, is a songwriter. He was conducting a Christmas choir in Salem, Oregon when he got the call. There's been an accident. Jennifer didn't make it. Just like that, a father of three became a father of two with a funeral to plan. When Roger got back home, his normally confident spirit was crushed with gut-wrenching longing for his little girl. Everywhere he turned, he was reminded of her. An unfinished project of artwork on the refrigerator, homework assignment, her toys, memories of his nine-year-old haunted him everywhere. And Roger had prayed a hundred times since he got that call. But a few days before the funeral, he tucked his wife and his children into bed and he, he walked into his study where he just wept. He poured out his heart to God. And God visited him with peace. As I said, Roger was a hymn writer. His study had a stereo in there with a bunch of tapes, and he walked across the room and he plugged in an old song that he had written and he had heard many times. And, but this time, the chords of this song seemed to come from heaven itself. And he hung on the lyrics as if he were hearing them for the very first time, even though he had written these lyrics. In a world that's racked by sin and sorrow, there is peace. When you find no hope for your tomorrow, there's peace. When it seems your heavy burden is much too much to bear, in Jesus, there is perfect peace. Jesus made his way to Jairus' house. And when he came into the house, he saw the family and the friends weeping loudly. And, and Jesus asked, why all the commotion? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And, and those who were gathered ridiculed him because of what he said. They knew she was dead. He asked them to leave the room. And he went into the, the room where the little girl was, was lying. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, get up. And she got up. Now, does that happen for us? Every time we pray for a loved one on death's door? No. It doesn't. 
fact is that death is just, a much, just as much a part of life as living is. And the time will come for each of us to die. And our loved ones will be like Jairus and like Roger Strader and like so many of us who have stood at the edge of a grave to say goodbye to someone that we love. And yet, like Habakkuk, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful. And God, my Savior. And the reason that we can do that is because we know that God is the Lord of life and death. When our lives are put on hold, we don't let go because we know that God does not let go of us. Thank God. Ivan Turgenev is regarded as one of Russia's three greatest novelists, along with Tolstoy and Dostoevsky. He was the first Russian writer to win uh, wide recognition beyond Russia. And in his book titled Fathers and Sons, Turgenev uh, tells about a father and a mother whose only son was killed in a war. And they go out to the poorly kept cemetery to visit his grave. The weeds have grown up, the fence is down, the trees have fallen over and just been left there where they fell. But there's one grave that is well kept, green and smooth as velvet. It's the grave of their son. As the elderly couple stand there, they're holding hands, looking down on the green flowered covered grave. And they bow their heads in prayer. O gracious Heavenly Father, they pray. Grant that one day in your homeland and in your own eternity, we three may be together again and know each other and love each other and live down the centuries together, O God. Please grant this one thing, that we may live together again. What a profound prayer. This couple's lives had been put on hold in terms of their relationship with their son. But they trusted God that the three of them would be united again. They had come to know Christ as the Lord of life and death. And they they held ever so tightly to God's promises. And so should we. Whenever we feel that our lives are out of control and God seems to be silent. Even though the fig tree does not blossom. And even though there are no grapes on the vine. Even though the olive crop fails and the, sh- and the fields produce no food. Even though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, when life is out of control, when our prayer seems to go no higher than the ceiling, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior.
Oh, to have such faith. May it be so for each of us. Amen. Aren't you glad that we have Jesus to be our strength? And I know that sometimes our it seems that our prayers are go unanswered or delayed, and sometimes that can be frustrating to us. But you know what? Jesus is always there. God is always there to provide the strength that we need, the comfort we need, and just the, just the ability to put one foot in front of another when we don't feel like it. When we want to throw up our hands and give up. Isn't it good to have a friend like Jesus? Let us sing in celebration of that friendship. Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit go with you always and in always. Amen. Amen. Amen.